Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Did you know Jesus' most scathing indictments were not against adulterers or murderers or drunkards? It was against religious hypocrites. The religious leaders concentrated on the external. Jesus concentrated on the attitudes. And now, Jesus is going to turn to our attitudes about worship. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Jesus had some major beef with the religious leaders of his day. He spent more time criticizing the Pharisees than any other group. So how could these seemingly devout men have gotten it so wrong? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains the importance of aligning our outward actions with our inward hearts. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress, thanks David and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. If God has given you the means, I highly recommend traveling with Pathway to Victory to the Holy Land this coming spring. The dates are April 25 through May 5th. Nothing will transform your understanding of the past, and nothing will transform your understanding of the future, quite like joining us for the Pathway to Victory Tour to Israel. The sights in the Holy Land are truly breathtaking. Witnessing Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives, the Garden Tomb that is still quite empty, and the Garden of Gethsemane. But that's not all, because we'll also be stopping by several of the sites that await the fulfillment of biblical prophecy as well. You'll find all the details about our itinerary and the wonderful accommodations by going to our website, ptv.org. In fact, you can go to ptv.org today, review the itinerary, and make plans to join us by reserving your spot. This month on Pathway to Victory, I'm presenting a brand new teaching series about a famous sermon Jesus gave on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Did you realize that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was remarkably brief? In fact, it takes only 18 minutes to read. Well, that's truly amazing because his message is filled with life-changing wisdom. In fact, applying his timeless teaching produces incredible results. And that's the thrust of a brand new book I've written for you called 18 Minutes with Jesus, Straight Talk from the Savior About the Things That Matter Most. I'm pleased to send you a copy of my brand new book when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. David and I will share more details later. But right now, let's examine what Jesus said about engaging in worship. I think his boldness and his direction on this topic may surprise you. I titled today's message, Straight Talk About Your Worship. A little boy was seated next to his father during the church service, and the father grumbled incessantly throughout the service. He grumbled about the temperature in the sanctuary being too warm, about the soloist being off-key, about the preacher preaching too long. They got into the car and went to the restaurant, and the father continued to complain. The waiter was too slow in taking the order. The food, when it came, was cold. And then the father said to his son, now let's bow together in prayer. (laughs) Dear Lord, thank you for our church. Thank you for our pastor you used so powerfully this morning. Thank you for the time of worship we had. 
And thank you for the food you've prepared and set before us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, boy looked up at his dad and said, does God hear everything we say? <laughs> well, yes, son. Well, did he hear you this morning when you were fussing about the service? Well, yes. Did God hear you when you complained about the food? Yes. Did God hear you when you just prayed? Son, God hears everything we say. Eat your French fries. <laughs> the little boy looked up and said, well, what part does he really believe? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are two people you can never fool. One is God who sees everything in our heart. And the other is a child who is quick to call out hypocrisy when he sees it. You know, when I think about hypocrisy, I think about the definition Ambrose Beers, a journalist, gave it one time. He said, hypocrisy is a person who professes virtues that he does not respect and secures the advantage of seeming to be what he despises. That's hypocrisy. Pretending to be something, in fact, that we are not. Uncovering hypocrisy, whether it's in a Christian or an unchristian, can be troubling at times. But hypocrisy, especially in the life of a Christian, has devastating consequences. And that's what we're going to see. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6 as we continue our study on the most famous sermon of all, the Sermon on the Mount, a series we're calling 18 Minutes with Jesus. Remember, this sermon is not a checklist of what you have to do to get into heaven. It's impossible to earn heaven. This is not a checklist for heaven. It's a way to live after heaven is secured, after we have trusted in Christ. And it's a contrast to what the religious leaders of Jesus' day said. The religious leaders were only interested in external behavior. But Jesus said, no, God looks not just at your external actions, but at your internal attitudes. And what we find in the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon about what God desires in each of us, the kind of attitudes, affections, and actions that resemble Jesus Christ that if we follow, result in genuine joy in this life and unending happiness in the next life. Again, the religious leaders concentrated on the external. Jesus concentrated on the attitudes. And we've already seen what Jesus had to say about subjects like our anger or our sexual morality or our relationships with our enemies. And now Jesus is going to turn to our attitudes about worship. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, they were only interested in appearing to be spiritual. Jesus was interested in our actually having a relationship with himself. And when it comes to worship, Jesus is going to address our attitudes and actions in three key expressions of worship, giving, praying, and fasting. Today, we're going to look at what Jesus says about giving. First of all, in verse 1, he sounds a general warning against hypocrisy. He says, beware. Let me stop there for a moment. Beware. That means something big is coming. You know, when Jesus says you better beware of something, we need to sit up and take notice. It's easy to read this section of the Sermon on the Mount 
and think Jesus is just talking about Sunday school niceties rather than absolute necessities. No, this is not optional. This is essential if you want to live a life pleasing to God. Beware, beware of what? Of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Nothing caused Jesus' stomach to churn anymore than fake believers. People who pretended to be something they really weren't. People who had only a veneer, a facade of Christianity that wasn't backed up by reality. You know, when I think about facades, I remember something that happened to me many years ago when I was youth minister here. Every year we used to have a big Halloween celebration uh, we'd have a haunted house down in Ennis, Texas on the farm of one of our members. And we made it an elaborate production. And so one, on the Saturday before Halloween one year, I was down there in Ennis working on this haunted house. And it was taking longer to keep, get the cow guts and the cow head, everything where it needed to be. And I knew I was running late, so I needed to call Amy to tell her I was going to be late coming home. Well, this was in the day before cell phones. So I looked around and I noticed we were in a vacant lot. I noticed across the road there was a motel and there was a phone booth standing out in front of the motel. So I went over there to call Amy. Remember, remember phone booths? <laughs> yeah. I went into the phone booth, put my quarter in, waited for the dial tone, nothing. It was absolutely dead. I was kind of disturbed about that. So I decided to go over to the office of the motel to see if I could use the phone. There was a door that said office. I knocked on the door, nothing. Knocked on the door again, nothing. Finally, I opened the door and it opened into nothing, a blank field. I mean, when I walked through the door, it was just an empty field. I thought, what is this? Is this a twilight zone or where am I? I had stumbled on a movie set <laughs> that was being prepared to film that movie with Robert Duvall, Tender Mercies. It was all a fake. I didn't know it at the time. It was just a fake. It was a facade. It looked real. But when I made a telephone call, the phone was helpless. It couldn't help me connect with anybody. When I looked for somebody in the motel, there was nobody there because, in fact, it was a fake. Now, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Facade Christianity. Looks real until you open it up and find there is absolutely nothing there whatsoever. Jesus said, beware of that kind of fake Christianity. Beware of people who practice their faith in order to be seen by others. Jesus described these people this way in Matthew 15, 8. This people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me. My mom used to say, the one thing people will never forgive you for is being able to see through them. That was Jesus. He was able to see through the Pharisees, and that's why they hated him. That's why they ended up crucifying him. Did you know Jesus' most scathing uh, indictments were not against adulterers or murderers or drunkards. It was against religious hypocrites. In fact, the most scathing of these denunciations is found in Matthew chapter 23, in which Jesus pronounced eight woes, woes, W-O-E, 
Those were divine judgments against hypocrites. Listen to some of them. Matthew 23, beginning with verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom from people. Verse 14, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses. Verse 15, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on the sea and land to make proselytes, and when one becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a son of hell. Verse 33, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? I found out something interesting this week in my study. The word hypocrite is used 17 times in the New Testament, and the only person who used that word was Jesus. He was the one who was a specialist on hypocrites. He denounced hypocrisy. What does hypocrite mean? Upokrites is the Greek word. It literally means one who wears a mask. I didn't know this until this week. Back in 1990, there was a large city that was discovered in northern Israel, uh, Sepphoris. And uh, it was right near the little village of Nazareth where Jesus grew up. In fact, uh, on the hillside where Nazareth was located, uh, Jesus could have looked over as a boy and seen Sepphoris. It was built by Herod when Jesus was a little boy, and it's been uncovered, and there's a huge amphitheater in the middle of the town. Some people actually speculate Jesus, when he was a young man, may have helped construct that amphitheater under Roman rule. But uh, on, in that amphitheater, plays would be produced and uh, seen by many people. And the actors who acted on the stage were called upocrites, hypocrites, because they wore a mask. That's what a hypocrite was. It was an actor who pretending to be another character would wear a mask to make people think he was that character. And at the end of the play, the upocrites, the hypocrites, would remove their mask to reveal who they really were to the applause of people. Now, Jesus, with that background, uses this phrase, upocrites, to describe the Pharisees. They are wearing a mask. They're pretending to be somebody they weren't. Um, John Ortberg, the writer, notes that this was an especially stinging indictment to the Pharisees because the Pharisees prided themselves on the fact that they never went to the theater. They never engaged in watching a play, kind of like Christians today who think they're so spiritual because they don't go to a movie. That was the Pharisees. And for Jesus to call these religious leaders, upocrites, hypocrites, actors, That was a stinging indictment. What was the problem? They performed their good deeds in order to be seen by men. That's what Jesus is condemning. Now, if you remember the Sermon on the Mount, you may be a little bit confused because Jesus in Matthew 5, 16, just a little bit earlier said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, let your good works be seen before men that they may glorify your Father in heaven. Wait a minute, Jesus, you just got through saying, let people see your good works. And now you're condemning those who practice their righteous acts before God? Which way is it? Which is it, Jesus? It's all in the motive. 
Jesus was saying in Matthew 5, 16, yes, practice your good works, not so that people will say what a glorious person you are, but what a wonderful person God is for the glory of God. If that is your motive, it's a good thing. But if you are practicing your worship, your righteous acts in order to be seen by other people, that's a bad thing. Now, before we get into the specific examples of this in worship, let me just say a word about the causes of hypocrisy. Why is it some people appear to be what in fact they aren't? Sometimes it's because the person is unsaved. There's nothing inside of them because there's nothing inside of them. They really aren't saved. Jesus addressed this issue of fake Christians, people who appear to be Christians, in his famous parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13, 24 to 30. We don't have time to look at it in depth, but you remember the story. Jesus talked about a man who had a field and he planted wheat in it, but at night his enemies came in and planted tares, fake wheat, the darnel seed, that at first looks like wheat when it sprouts up, but it bears no fruit and it strangles out the real wheat. The Bible says, in the world today, there are genuine Christians and fake Christians. Billy Graham said one time, he estimated that 50% of the people sitting in pews are fake Christians, they're not truly saved. The person next to you, no, I won't go there. But <laughs> you may be sitting next to a fake Christian. You may be living with a fake Christian. They appear real in what they say, but there's nothing there on the inside. A second reason somebody may engage in hypocrisy is that they are a spiritually immature person. They're spiritually immature. Yes, they're saved, but they're stunted in their spiritual growth because they haven't practiced the truth. Paul addressed that spiritual immaturity in 1 Corinthians 3. Remember, he visited the church at Corinth, and then five years later, he wrote what we call 1 Corinthians. And in writing to them, he said in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, I, Paul, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of the flesh, as the infants in Christ. When he came, these were baby Christians, he said. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you weren't able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able, for you are still fleshly. He said, five years have passed since I was first with you. You weren't mature then, you're still not mature. We can't use the word today, it's politically incorrect, but when adult, an adult acts like a child, we say that person is mentally challenged, okay? That's what we say today. But it's a tragedy, isn't it? When somebody who is 40 years old, chronologically, acts like a three-year-old, it's a tragic thing. The only thing more tragic is when you have somebody who should be a mature Christian acts like a baby Christian. And he said, that's the problem with you Corinthian Christians. How did they become spiritually challenged? Why didn't they grow? The writer of Hebrews answers that in Hebrews 5, beginning in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need for somebody to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is still an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, 
have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You know, I love our church, but one of the great dangers of a church like First Baptist Dallas, known for preaching and teaching the truth of God's word, one of the dangers is we receive more information than we act on. There's a lot of truth being dispensed here, not just in the pulpit, but in the Sunday school classes and small groups. We are truly a church built on the Bible. But remember, God didn't give us the Bible to make us smarter sinners. He gave it to us to make us more obedient followers of Jesus Christ. And if we keep taking in all of this food and we don't act on what we know to be true, we become spiritually stunted. We become hypocrites. Of course, one of the greatest dangers of hypocrisy is what it does to unbelievers who look at us. Christian writer Brennan Manon said, the greatest single cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. Now, I realize, I mean, people can misuse that. Uh, if you're not a believer in Christ today, believe me, complaining about hypocrites in the church is not going to get you into heaven one day. God's not going to be impressed by your complaint. When anybody complains to me, when I invite them to church and they say, oh, I can't go to church. There are too many hypocrites in the church. My first instinct is to say, well, come on, you'll feel right at home. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the church isn't a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. None of us is perfect. We go to the grocery store in spite of hypocrites because we need the food, you know, Nevertheless, many Christians who act one way and profess another way of living are a detour for some people into heaven. Now, after denouncing hypocrisy in verse 1, he gives us an example of hypocrisy in worship. Remember, hypocrisy is either pretending to be something you're not or practicing your righteousness for the wrong motive to be seen by others. Now, look at what Jesus says. He's going to talk about giving. Verse 2. Everybody hold on to your wallets. Uh, verse 2. So, when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. He's saying, when you give, don't toot your own horn. <laughs> you know, if you are doing something for the poor, working with Habitat for Humanity, building a house, don't take a selfie and put it on social media so that everybody knows what a spiritual, generous person you are. Don't blow the trumpet when you give. Jesus made it very clear. Our charity is not a platform for pride. When we give, it should come from a heart of worship and praise. In that spirit, we invite you to join with Pathway to Victory in telling others the good news about Jesus and His saving grace. Every time you give a generous gift, you're the channel God is using to reach millions of other people. And when you give today, I'm going to say thanks by sending you a copy of my brand new hardcover book based on the Sermon on the Mount. My book is titled, 18 Minutes with Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount is an unprecedented call to radical righteousness. In fact, many of the things Jesus said are quite shocking. 
And I can't think of a more timely message for Christians to hear in this day and age. Jesus went straight to the heart of things that matter most, such as your happiness, your faith, your relationships, your sex life, and your prayer life. So, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, be sure to request a copy of my new book, 18 Minutes with Jesus. As we close today, let me assure you that your gifts to Pathway to Victory are making a huge difference in the lives of those who listen. I received a note from Mitch in North Carolina who wrote, Dr. Jeffress, your teaching means more than you will ever know. I attend church to worship every Sunday, but I'm able to worship every day with you through Pathway to Victory. Friends, thanks for your generous financial support. Your partnership allows us to reach people like Mitch and countless others around the world. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. You're invited to request a copy of the brand new book, 18 Minutes with Jesus, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Call us at 866-999-2965, or you could visit our website. That's at ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $100 or more, you'll receive not only the book, but also the complete collection of audio and video discs for the 18 Minutes with Jesus teaching series. Plus, we'll also send you a study guide for use in a group or your individual study. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or find us online at ptv.org. You could write to us if you'd like. Here's the mailing address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again next time for part two of the message called Straight Talk About Your Worship. That's right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.